Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. When we are born, we cry that we are come to this great stage of fools. I'm a very foolish, fond old man, four score and upward, not an hour more nor less. Thou art a soul in bliss, but I am bound upon a wheel of fire, that mine own tears do scald like molten lead, and to deal plainly, I fear I am not in my perfect mind. Now, in America today, on one side, according to the Dems, we have the madness of King Lear. On the other side, we have one bleeding from the eyes, one is bleeding from the styes, one is bleeding from the highs, and one is bleeding by surprise, and we the people don't know what to do, we don't know which way to turn. America is going insane from this back and forth between Trump and the media, Trump and the psychos on the Dem side. They look at the political class, and we the people ask, how did this country come to this point that people like this are running the most powerful nation on earth or want to run it? How is this even possible? Now, in Elizabethan times, which is why we played that wonderful music and I read from King Lear, there was an important role for the fool or court jester. And the court, the court jester or fool had a job, and it was to professionally entertain others, specifically the king. In essence, fools were hired to make mistakes. Fools may have been mentally retarded youths kept for the court's amusement. Or more often, the fools were singing, dancing, stand-up comedians. Sound familiar? In William Shakespeare's King Lear, the fool has played many roles. When Cordelia, Lear's only well-intentioned daughter, is banished from the kingdom, the fool or fool immediately assumes her role as Lear's protector. 
The fool is the king's advocate, honest and loyal, and through his use of irony, sarcasm, and humor, the fool is able to point out Lear's faults. You see, the fool's purpose is to make Lear laugh, yet in reality he makes serious remarks on the action and points out to Lear what is happening with his behavior. Fool is paradoxically wise, typical of the Shakespearean fool. The fool often sounds cruel as he criticizes and speaks to Lear with such irony and sarcasm. But it appears often that fool is kicking a man when he's down. But as the play progresses, you can sense how much the fool loves his king and just how protective the king, uh, the fool is of his master. The fool makes his first appearance in Act 1, Scene 4, where his initial address to Kent clarifies that he sees Kent to be Lear's ally. Lear, paying Kent, says, Lear, now my friendly knave, I thank thee, there's earnest of thy service. Fool, let me hire him to, and he goes on. Now, what am I doing here? I'll let you figure it out. We're going to speak in parables today on the Savage Nation, since logic and scientific method is dead in America. We'll have to speak in allegory on this show in order to make any sense at all. I read yesterday, or I saw yesterday, that the first daughter gave away $120 million to the Venezuelans. I didn't know where she was. I saw her wearing a very dainty outfit that must have cost a pretty penny. And yet she was on her knees, kissing the hands of a third worlder. And I read that she was giving uh, them $120 million in U.S. assistance. Ivanka Trump met with aides to Venezuelan National Assembly President Juan Guaido in Colombia to underscore support for a democratic transition in Venezuela. And she gave away $120 million in U.S. assistance to neighboring countries under strain from a refugee crisis. Hmm. I said, that's nice. Why is she not in the Bahamas instead of in Colombia? I couldn't figure that out. Can anyone figure out why the first daughter gave $120 million to Venezuelan opposition people instead of being in the Caribbean? Can anyone explain that to me? I, I could understand her traveling to the hurricane-stricken areas and giving out aid. But why Venezuela? I couldn't figure that out. But then again, I don't know all things, do I? This additional $120 million, uh, actually the total is $376 million, uh, provides vital support, we read, including emergency food and health assistance to vulnerable Venezuelans in Colombia, Ecuador, Brazil, and throughout the region, said Morgan Otegas. The political and economic crisis reported to be one of the world's deepest economic declines outside of war and natural disaster in the last half century, has left the people of Venezuela facing a depth of suffering not before seen in this once prosperous country. Which is why I read from King Lear, because none of it makes sense to me. Zero sense. I can understand that there's a refugee crisis coming out of the communists' uh, mishandling of Venezuela. But why would she go there now? In the midst of a hurricane tragedy, why did she not go to the Bahamas and give out the money, I said to myself. But then again, I'm only a talk show host. I'm not a politician. Now, if you want to make heads or tails out of this, go ahead. You can call me today at 855-407-282. But I'd rather talk about other questions. I just wanted to entertain you with the opening to the Savage Nation today by bringing it up to another level or down to another level, depending upon what side of the aisle you're on. And so if I've done that, I've achieved that. If I haven't achieved that, I haven't done that. But what I'm going to do now is ask you some questions, and you're not going to tell me any lies. 
Explain to me and everyone listening to this show, The Savage Nation, what is it like being a conservative in liberal surroundings, whether it be in a town, an office, or a city? What is it like for you being a conservative in liberal surroundings? You care to describe it to me? How do you get through a day? I also want to talk about the laws that keep guns out of the hands of the mentally ill, and the law was gone around by the Texas shooter who got the gun illegally, even though he was banned or actually uh, prohibited from buying a gun, the shooter was, because he was declared mentally uh, ill. Uh, he bought the gun from some creep who put the gun together through parts. I'm a little concerned about that. Now, <clears throat> some would say it's time to end the gun show loophole. Well, there is no gun show loophole, really, because you have to register guns when you buy and sell them at gun shows. Okay, but at gun shows, there are people who walk the floors who are not licensed dealers who run around selling guns to anyone on the floor. And many gun shows allow people who aren't licensed dealers to rent tables as well. And so, therefore, there are people who walk around trying to sell guns. And uh, at the Tulsa Arms Show, for example, many private sellers were essentially walking billboards advertising their guns on a backpack or by sticking a flag down the barrel of a rifle slung over their shoulder. So we shouldn't call it a gun show loophole that we are looking at today. We should call it the private sale exception. And while the, the greatest majority of guns sold in the U.S., some say more than 75%, are sold by licensed dealers, sales between private citizens can be arranged online or in person at any place at any time. Now that's a problem. I'm sorry, my friends, but things have changed. And we must crack down on the sale of arms between people. Or are you going to jump in and say, no, Savage, you're now a gun grabber? I'd like to ask you what you think about that. Is it time to stop this loophole, which we call the private sale exception loophole on the Savage Nation? We are also going to talk about last night's seven-hour propaganda fest, uh, on so-called climate change from the craziest people on the planet. They want to ban everything. Did you know that they want to ban everything? Did you hear what they want to ban? We have a soundbite on that because it's hard to comprehend how stupid people can be who claim they want to be president. They want to ban virtually everything. Did you hear what they want to ban or not? Because I'll read it to you if you want to know what they want to ban. Well, you name it. Everything from straws to nuclear power plants. We have the list for you. Meanwhile, the death toll is rising in the Bahamas. There's pillaging, there's panic, there's looting, everything is gone. A force of nature swept away the dwellings, and now the force of man sweeps away the remains. The phone number is 855-407-282. I've asked you in a very pregnant manner, and I don't mean I am pregnant. I mean in a very pregnant manner. How do you, as a conservative, how do you, as a conservative, survive in liberal office settings? or living in a town that you love but is filled with liberal, brainwashed people? How do you survive in a city like San Francisco or New York, which is surrounded by crazy, psychotic, mean-spirited leftists called liberals? What do you do to survive? What do you interpret your life to be? How would you change the laws to keep guns out of the hands of the mentally ill or others prohibited from owning guns? Should gun show sales be banned? No. But the private sales need to be tightened up. 
We have other things that I want to talk about, including Bernie Sanders, the communist dictator that he really is, wanting to abort third world babies to control uh, the population on the planet to control global warming. Meanwhile, the moron Kamala Harris said she would ban straws and fracking, making them uh, equivalent in their damage to the Earth's uh, uh, ecosystem in some way, straws and, and fracking. In San Francisco, of course, the morons who have made the National Rifle Association a terrorist, domestic terrorist group, they have banned plastic straws, but not plastic syringes. That shows you what kind of city I live in. And as the day goes on, I will tell you what it's like to be a conservative in the sickest so-called liberal city in the entire world, right here on the Savage Nation. I also want to do something I've done in the past, which should open up some interesting calls. I want to be Dr. Savage Life Coach today. That means if you have a question about your life, I don't care what it is, I'll be the answer man. I'll be Dr. S answering your questions, whatever they may be, a problem with a wife, problem with a husband, problem with a son, problem with a daughter, problem with an old man in the family, a father, problem with an old woman in the family, a mother, a financial problem. I'll try to answer it the best I can because all I've got to offer you is a lot of experience and wisdom. Savage. So I hope I'm not too esoteric for you today. I realize it's not the usual fare of talk radio to open with Elizabethan music and, and discuss King Lear and try to explain to you uh, the mad world that we're living in right now, where the libs say that King Lear is running the country. And the other side, we have one bleeding from the eyes, one bleeding from the styes, one bleeding from the highs, one is bleeding by surprise. The country is going totally insane from all of this. You watched this thing last night on CNN, the outlet for the sickest people in the world, and you hear what they want to ban now. They don't want you to eat red meat. You can't have uh, light bulbs, straws, cheeseburgers. Kamala Harris would tell you how much meat you could eat in a hamburger. Mayor Pete uh, Buttkeg says don't abolish the cow, just balance your diet. All of the fools want to ban plastic straws. By the way, I... I live in San Francisco. I ordered a couple of Diet Cokes over this week at two restaurants. I didn't know what was wrong with the taste of the Diet Coke. And I realized that the straw was not plastic, which has no taste at all. It was made of some kind of waxed paper, and the whole drink tasted like hell. I had to throw the straw away. I don't understand these people. Do they not understand the what actually happens when they pass something? Do they, do they actually try to taste something with a straw made of whatever it is, wax paper? Anyway, I want to ask you again, what is it like being a conservative in a liberal city, town, office, or school? How do you cope? How do you survive? And other topics, including the strange case of the first daughter uh, appearing in a very, very expensive outfit, a very good-looking outfit at that, maybe twelve to $15,000, and sneakers alone could have been three grand. I don't really know. I'm not up on style myself. Well, there she was kneeling down to some third world kid. I thought in the Bahamas giving out aid, but I said, wait a minute. She's in Venezuela giving out $120 million uh, as a result of the refugees from communist Venezuela. I didn't know why that was done at this time. Usually politicians change plans made so far in advance when there is a, a natural disaster uh, or a war or something. 
you kind of say, okay, I was planning to go to Venezuela because it would have been nice to be there in the autumn. It's a nice free trip. And I said, yeah, let's go to Ven- uh, Colombia. I hear Colombia is nice in, in September, right after Labor Day. We'll go to Colombia. Uh, what, what can I do? There? Oh, I'll give them out some money. We'll expand, blah, blah. So, but then there's this hurricane. So you say, okay, we're not going to go to Venezuela. Let's go to the Bahamas and give out the money. But no, there it was. I said, something's wrong. Who's running the show here? Who is running this thing? And all of us are sitting here who have intelligence and brains and analysis and we're doing it for years and we don't know which way to turn. We don't know which way to turn. Dave in California, line one, do you know which way to turn? Uh, yes, uh, San Francisco refugee where your tires slashed if you have any uh, conservative bumper stickers. and. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that shows tolerance to slash your, your tires. No, no, definitely no tolerance. Um, with regard to the Ivanka, I, I think, you know, sometimes you go to the natural disaster site right away, you're just adding to the chaos. So it does seem like she probably had that. But did you head. find it, did you find it odd that she would go to Colombia to give out $120 million in aid to Venezuelans during a time of a, of a hurricane? But didn't we send money to the Bahamas? I thought we already did that. Why do, she's not just the first daughter. No, but should she have canceled the trip? Totally, or should she have gone to a region where the hurricane uh, caused some devastation? Well, can't we do multiple things at one time? If she goes to Venezuela and, and First Lady go to Bahamas, or why do we have to have, you know... Well, is the First Lady in the Bahamas? Where is she? Melania? Well, I don't know. There's is there a certain outfit that's supposed to be worn in natural disasters? What's that? Is there a designer for natural disaster outfits for beautiful women that I don't know about? Is there some kind of appropriate footwear and skirt that you wear as you kneel down looking that you're interested in the poor people well I don't I, know. the whole thing is a bunch of crap to me i can't take it anymore frankly 120 million dollars to free up democracy in venezuela did congress authorize this payment where is the money coming from where's the money coming from now how do we know this money actually went for butter not for guns if it went for guns to the opposition i would support it Well, if it even went for butter for those who have fled, I would support it. But we have bums laying in the streets of America. I say that that problem takes precedence over Venezuela's problem. Blow winds and crack your cheeks. Raid. Blow. You cataracts and hurricanoes, spout till you have drenched our steeples, drown the cocks. You sulfurous and thought-executing fires, vaunt couriers to oak-cleaving thunderbolts, singe my white head, and thou, all shaking thunder, strike flat the thick rotundity of the world. Crack nature's molds, all germains spill at once. That makes ingrateful man rumble thy bellyful, spit, fire, spout, rain. Nor rain, wind, thunder, fire are my daughters. I tax not you, you elements, with unkindness. I never gave you kingdom, called you children. You owe me no subscription. 
Then let fall your horrible pleasure. Here I stand your slave, a poor, infirm, weak, and despised old man. But yet I call you servile ministers. That will, with two pernicious daughters, join your high-engendered battles against the head. So old and white as this? Oh, oh, it's foul. Blow winds and cracks your cheeks. What does this have to do with anything? Nothing. I'm reading a piece of uh, King Lear's Blow Winds and Cracks Your Cheeks monologue. In a certain reason, only in my own mind, by the way, is why I'm reading it to you. Of course, he didn't know about global warming, Shakespeare. He wasn't as smart as occasional cortex. He had no uh, knowledge of that Julian Castro has, being an advanced theoretical physicist, the advanced theoretical physicist that uh, Kamala Harris is. Shakespeare, as an ancient white male, did the best he could with his primitive knowledge and poor use of language. He spoke perhaps 50,000 words of English, uh, and although she speaks 50 words of English, it has a more profound meaning when you keep repeating the same lie over and over again. So blow, winds, and crack your cheeks. Rage, blow, you cataracts and hurricanoes spout till you have drenched us steeples, drowned the cocks. You sulfurous and thought-executing fires. I think you get the picture, don't you? But I wanted to go back, I'd rather go back to the, what it's like being a conservative in a liberal surrounding, whether a town, an office, or a city. I'd also like to ask you, again, to call in with a life coach question. I've done this before. It's been quite popular in the past. I haven't done it in almost a year now. I'm willing to take on any question. I don't know whether it'll be of any use to you, but let's try it. But before we do that, we have a montage of the brilliant theoretical physicists running for the presidency on the Democrat side. They all have PhDs, I understand. Uh, Kamala Harris has a PhD. Uh, Julian Castro, no doubt, has a PhD from some great university. Certainly Elizabeth Warren has a doctorate in a scientific field. We know Bernie has a doctorate in Marxism. And uh, here they were last night at the Climate Forum banning everything, straws, red meat, incandescent light bulbs, gas-powered cars, nuclear energy, offshore drilling, fracking, natural gas exports, coal plants, and even carbon itself without understanding uh, that carbon is the central component of every living thing on Earth. Uh, apparently, their PhD didn't teach them something that a five-year-old learns in, the, in a basic advanced science course, that car <laughs> carbon is the core of all living things. But these people want to be president, and they claim that Trump is King Lear, too mad for the job. Let's listen in right now. Would you support changing the dietary guidelines? The, the, yes. The, you know, the food pyramid. People yes. Are, the, yes. To reduce red meat specifically. Yes, I would. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. So would you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Just today, the Trump administration announced plans to overturn requirements on energy saving light bulbs. Would you in reinstate those requirements? As uh, if you can get electricity from a light bulb that utilizes one tenth of the power that an old incandescent light bulb used, of course you're going to do that. We have to take the take combustion engine vehicles off the road as rapidly as we can. I think, especially in poor countries around the world, uh, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies, and where they can have the opportunity through birth control to control the number of kids they have, something I very, very strongly uh, support. Let's talk about offshore drilling for oil. Would you ban it? Yes. Would you ban offshore drilling? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. What about the export of fossil fuels from the United States? Would you ban that? Absolutely, we must get to that point. 
There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. I'm in favor of a carbon-free America. In my administration, we're not going to build any new nuclear power plants. We, 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 we set out the rules for what kind of plant, you know, coal-burning plants. No one's going to build another coal-burning. We've got to shut the ones down we have. We're going to end factory farming because that is not only, that is a danger to the environment and to climate change. You know, there will be a transition. There will be a transition no, and, and there will be some pain there. During the period of transition, 30 million people might starve as they did in, in my Soviet Union. Yes, 30 million people died during Stalin's transition, but that was a price that had to be paid in order to bring about a more, more pure Soviet state. And so therefore, there will be a transition and 30 million Americans will die. Another 30 million will be uh, deported or executed uh, by my uh, administration. But at that time, we will have a carbon-free America. Thank you very much. I am so glad to be here on CNN. And you want to vote for a Democrat? Is there anyone listening to this program who has gone to college who's not on medication who can tell me why? Can you explain it to me? 855-400-7282, trying to make sense out of the insane. Now we have Julian Castro, probably amongst the stupid and the mentally feeble, perhaps the dumbest of all of them. In the following soundbite, he says he'll make it easier for Americans to file lawsuits over environmental racism. That's a new one. Uh, I guess years ago when I said they would one day sue God for causing things such as thunderstorms that flooded neighborhoods, I didn't realize the day would actually come. Here it is in clip number two. After I announced my campaign, uh, the first visit that I made was not to Iowa or to New Hampshire. It was to San Juan. Puerto Rico, to tell the people of the island there that we were with them and that we would make sure that they could recover from Hurricane Maria. I think about, frankly, I connect the dots to places like Flint, Michigan, and I know that too often times it's people who are poor, communities of color, who take the brunt of storms that are getting more frequent and more powerful. And so my plan actually calls for New civil rights legislation to be able to address environmental injustice. Oh, that's great. That's so great. Environmental injustice. Great, great, great. That's like suing the wind uh, and suing the rain. There's no end to the insanity, which is why I read blow winds and crack your cheeks, rage blow, you cataracts and hurricanoes, spout till you have drenched our steeples, drown the cocks, you sulfurous and thought executing fires. Do you understand where I'm coming from right now? Well, I doubt it. Some do, some don't. Then we have Kamala Harris. Again, as I say, uh, I look at her. I listen to her. I realize she's a product of the most corrupt political machine in the history of this country, far outdoing that of uh, the Tammany Hall corruption. Here in San Francisco, we we have a city uh, run by Calamity Hall, as was said on the Savage Nation the other day. But I must say, as a side note, I see that last night was the opening night of the, the symphony here in San Francisco. And uh, they had all of the people who could afford to buy tables and whatnot and rent gowns from Oscar de la Yenta. You see, in San Francisco, they try to keep up with New York and other uh, real cities and make believe that they have a real symphony and a real opera out here, going back even to uh, the old Gold Rush days. And so they get these gowns, you see, shipped in from back east and valises and whatnot. And uh, all the women who pretend they have money, but most of them don't have a you-know-what to you-know-what in. They show up keeping the tags underneath their arms, 
for the entire night, which is quite a feat, by the way, to go through an entire dinner drinking all of the free bad Chardonnay and eating the terrible poached fish while talking to other yentas in other gowns and not sweat the armpits of the dress sufficient that you could actually return it perhaps the next morning, since you have a probably a wastrel of a son or daughter living in your house with you who takes the gown back for you. It was quite a spectacle, and I have the pictures for you if you'd like to see them. But you see, uh, I'm getting off track right now. These wonderful uh, advanced people of San Francisco who had an opening night at the symphony didn't know, for example, that uh, the bums had been removed from the streets so they could go to the uh, Davies Symphony Hall or that the uh, feces had been washed off the streets so they wouldn't get their rented shoes dirty because, after all, you cannot return a rented shoe with doo-doo on that shoe, I must tell you. And so, therefore, for the sake of the fine ladies of San Francisco at the symphony last night, the streets were washed thoroughly around Davies Symphony Hall because they must return the shoes by noon the next day, like Cinderella in the pumpkin. But getting back (laughs) to the stories of the day, which I try my best to maintain a sense of humor with, let's take some calls. Let us go to who, to what, to who, what should I take? You know, I don't have one call on life coach. Not one of you wants my advice or wisdom. Who's, who's my life coach question? Which one? No, no, that's not. He's making a statement. Is he asking a question? Yes? Okay, let's try. Line one, Jackie and Stockton. Is this a comment or a question? Yeah, um, it's kind of twofold. I'm, I'm just so frustrated. I, I live in California. I've lived here for seven years now. I have a business in town. And um, I'm from back east. And I just can't make sense of what, what you know, our officials here in this state uh, are doing. I mean... It, so it, what's the question that you have for me? Well, I... I I'm thinking about um, selling my business and uh, moving on and moving out. Because yeah, okay, fine. Good. Where Where are you going to move to, though? Um, well, I have family back east uh, down in Florida. Okay, is Florida any better than California? Yeah. Um, a lot not for long. It is now, but not for long. Owing to the demographic change in Florida... Uh, which was manipulated by Obama. I'm not so sure Florida will be much different than California for many, many years to come, but it's certainly good to have a uh, a couple of years of decent life. I mean, what is it the worst thing that's happening to you in Fresno, in Stockton? Well, it, it, um, it's really expensive to live here. My husband and I work, work our bus. Yeah, but wait, if you're just talking about expenses, I can't help you. That That's not a question that I can answer. So I don't really know... If it's just a matter of finances, it's you can't blame California for that, can you? No, but um, both of us are, you know, working really, really hard to make not ends meet. I mean, I understand, but would it be any different in Florida? How would it be different in Florida? Would you pay? You'd pay no. Well, for one, you'd pay no state taxes. We are robbed on state taxes in California, the highest rate in the nation. Fifteen percent of your income, right off the top, goes to the criminals in Sacramento. So would that make a difference for you to not have to kick 15% to the, to the criminals in the mafia in Sacramento? Well, you know what? That's what we're kicking around right now because we're trying to figure out where close Well, just, here's what you do. It's real simple. Let's do the math. I, I don't have the time. Add up your total income. Add up what you're paying in state taxes in California and say, okay, in Florida, I wouldn't pay that. And the cost of renting a building or whatever, running a business will be lower. So if it's worth it to you to put up with this mosquitoes and the humidity, go ahead. Make uh, make the move. I'll be right back. 
Savage. There has to be also what we do in terms of creating incentives that we will eat in a healthy way, that we will encourage moderation, and that we will be educated about the effect of our eating habits on our environment. And we have to do a much better job of that, and the government has to do a much better job government. of that. We have, yeah. But would you support changing the dietary guidelines? The, the, yes. The, you know, the food pyramid. But people yes. Are, yes. To reduce red meat specifically. Yes, I would. So if Kamala Harris is elected president, which is never happening, she would hire hamburger police. And let's say you're eating an innocent hamburger with your children for dinner. The door would be broken in by a member of the ATF bringing in hamburger police. And if you have over a certain amount of meat and there's uh, not sufficient uh, meat on the planet or too much methane gas being produced by cows that fart, bingo, you lose your home and your children to the government because they know better. Do you realize these people are functionally insane? Do you understand that they are functionally insane and they're leading each other into further insanity? Now, here's Buttkeg. I'm sorry, I have trouble with his last name, and I don't know it. I don't want to learn it. He's a non-entity, a zero. But Buttkeg says if you eat hamburgers or eat eat straws, if you eat hamburgers or use straws, you're part of the problem. So in addition to hamburger police... Buttkeg would hire, I guess, straw police who would fan out across America like the FBI did in the 1930s looking for bootleggers. Of course, it was over by then. I don't really know when it ended. And if they find any sign of a straw in your house, well, there you go, right to prison. Arrested by the straw police, courtesy of Buttkeg. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Would you support changing the dietary guidelines? The, the, yes. The, you know, the food pyramid. But people yes. Are, the, yes. To reduce red meat specifically. Yes, I would. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. So would you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Just today, the Trump administration announced plans to overturn requirements on energy-saving light bulbs. Would you in, reinstate those requirements? As oh, if you can get electricity from a light bulb that utilizes one-tenth of the power that an old Power. incandescent light bulb used, Power. of course you're going to do that. Power. We have to take the take combustion engine vehicles <laughs> oh, off God. the road as rapidly as we can. I think especially in poor countries around the world uh, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies and where they can have I the opportunity through birth to control to control the number of kids they have, that something I, I very, very strongly I believe uh, support. Strongly Let's talk about offshore drilling for completely. Would you ban it? Yes. Would yes. you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Absolutely, yes. What about the export of fossil fuels from the United States? Would you ban that? Absolutely, we must get to that point. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. I'm in favor of a carbon-free America. In my administration, we're not going to build any nuclear. Let's stop. Carbon-free America. Now, let's say you have a child who is not on drugs, 
who's in the fifth or sixth grade where they've learned a little science. If a teacher came in and said, we're going to have a carbon-free America, and the child said, but sir, carbon is the building block of all living things, the teacher would likely have your son or daughter removed from the classroom because the teacher would know less than your four-year-old or your five-year-old or your six-year-old. And yet we have people who would be president who don't know that it's impossible to create a carbon-free anything in a world of living things. And so they want to ban straws, red meat, incandescent light bulbs, gas-powered cars, nuclear energy. I almost said nuclear. 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 I almost said it like a George Bush. Nuclear. Offshore drilling, fracking, natural gas, coal plants, and even carbon itself. Can anyone listening to this program tell me in reality? I don't think I get any Democrats or liberals listening anymore. I think that that's long gone. Can you actually tell me these people are fit to be president and why? Tell me how they're fit to be president. I'm also doing life coach today on the Savage Nation. I'm also asking you what is it like to be a conservative in liberal surroundings, whether it be in a town, an office, or a city. How do you cope? How do you survive? What's it like? The phone number here is 855 Here's a new story that's very troubling, really troubling. A so-called judge has ruled that the terror watch list violates the constitutional rights of the people who are identified as known or suspected terrorists. Now, this was brought by the Muslim front group, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. And we know who they are. Everyone knows who CARE is and know what they're front for, which is the Muslim Brotherhood and foreign powers, in my opinion. But if you read down in this story, you got to hear the last paragraph because it's been left out of every report. Earlier this year, the House of Reps adopted a proposal from Dem Minnesota Rep Ilhan Omar that would force President Trump's administration to disclose details about how it shares the watch list with foreign countries. I have long suspected that Omar is a front for foreign and domestic terrorist organizations. I have long suspected that Omar is not only fronting for these groups that would undermine our security, if not cause grave harm to this nation, but she herself is laughing at us and dancing on our hearts and minds while getting away with virtual murder. That is the opening to the show. If you care to comment and uh, be heard by more people than you will meet for the rest of your life, the phone number is 855-400-7282. Robert in South Carolina is the first up. Go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Nation, Robert. What's on your mind? Mr. Savage, I am very worried that we will not have a conservative elected this year, not because of the power of the message and the meaning behind the message, but having taught it university level and being retired right now, I hear more and more young people who are sick and tired of this Marie Antoinette Republican mindset that's not communicating compassion and communicating an effective message versus the dunce cats or the dolts of the Bernie Sanders and the AOCs. They're not getting that across to these people. And, and that's- I, I hear you. I, why do you think I keep harping on animal issues and environmental issues? A, because I've been doing so for 40 years, but B, because these are the issues that are key to the younger people in America, and rightly so. They will be the stewards of this planet very shortly, and they are terrified that the Republicans not only appear to, but actually are destructive of the environment and of animal life. Would you agree with that? 
I absolutely agree. And again, people take precedence over animals, but you can still be responsible and take care of the animals and the environment at the same time. And, and, and some of them, they have this mindset, you know, they used to communicate, oh, America's the land of opportunity, opportunity, but they, their internationalism squandered that, the reality of that slogan, that America's the land of the opportunity. I agree with you. I think that the Republicans have flat-footed these issues. They are absolutely seen as devastating to the planet and to the poor, innocent creatures on the planet. And as a result, by default, many young people default back to the fools on the other side, which is why I began by reading from King Lear and playing Elizabethan music. Did you happen to catch the opening of the first hour? No, sir, I didn't catch it. Well, I'm going to say this. It was one of my proudest openings in a long time, and it can be heard today when the show is over on the podcast, which my podcasts are fundamentally the two hours of this radio show. And if you miss anything, you catch it there. But the opening says it all. I mean, I did parody. I did sarcasm. I did... I did music, and I read from King Lear, because I'm trying to show the world that we, the people, are trapped between the devil and the deep blue sea. And my main point, really, is that we don't know which way to turn. We don't know which way to turn. According to the Democrats, we have a mad king in the White House. According to the uh, Republicans, we have these insane people on the other side who want to ban straws and, and hamburgers. We don't know which way to turn. We, the people, wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, yes, sir. But, you know, I live in South Carolina, and what they're trying to do now, another thing that concerns young people is funding for children who have special needs and disabilities. And in this state, they're trying to cut funding constantly. You have a senator from a certain county, several of them trying to cut it, who's related to a former governor, all sorts of stuff. And yeah, they- but you know, and I know how much how much fluff there is in these programs and how much of it is faked. Do you know what percentage of uh, disability recipients in this country are faking disability? I'm talking about people who really have it with autism. Obviously. Obviously, we want to help the really uh, downtrodden and the really sick. Right. But what percentage of people are on disability, uh, SS, I think it's SSDI, Social Security Disability Income, SSDI, right. what percent of these people receiving federal disability money are faking it with a, with a fraudulent doctor? I can guarantee you it's much higher than we might believe. But the, but the really question is, what do we the people do? On the one side, the Dems say we have the madness of King Lear. On the other side, we have a, one bleeding from the eyes, one bleeding from the thighs, one bleeding from the highs, and one is bleeding by surprise. And so we the people don't know which way to turn. Now we go to the next phase of the Savage Nation, which is the life coach uh, phase. Maine, Elizabeth in Maine has a question. Elizabeth, what's your question? I don't know if I can answer it. Hi, good afternoon, Dr. Savage. I'd like to ask two questions. What do you think is the most important thing to making a relationship work? And which do you feel is most important to have in that relationship? Compatibility or chemistry? Well, it's a very serious question. At first, I was going to give you a flippant answer and say don't have one. That would be the best way to sustain a relationship is not have one for very long. Uh, keep it as uh, short as possible, uh, as the character in Goodfellas said when his mother says, "Honey, why don't you settle down and have settle down with a woman?" He says, "I do my every night. I settle down with one." Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. How, what what relationship specifically, man and woman, or a woman and child, woman and parent? Which one? A man and a woman. And are you talking about a long term relationship that's come into some rough times, or a new one? A new one. 
a new one that I want to make work long term. Okay, you're asking a very serious question. Yes. I assume I assume you're a middle-aged woman. Yes, I am. Have you been married before? Yes, I was once for a short period of time. All right, so it's not like you're coming out of a long marriage where a husband then you you broke up or he died. You're talking about you've been alone a long time? Have you been dating all along or not? Um, I dated for a little while, but I've been alone recently for a little while now. All right, so you met someone. How, may I ask how, online or? Yes, online. Very no. perceptive. <laughs> well, it's not perceptive. It's the way most people meet these days. They don't go to bars and pick someone up for two reasons. One, it's riskier, and number two, it's time-consuming. Uh, how long have you been in this new relationship? Um, a little over a year. All right, so assume you have chemistry or you wouldn't be together even for the second date, right? Correct. All right, so now you both want to make it work or just you do? No, we both would like to, I believe. Well, I don't even know why it's a question because if both of the people have been together a year and they want to make it work, as adults, they pretty much know what to do, right? And what not to do. That's true. So which do you feel is more important, compatibility or chemistry? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revert to the King Lear's fool in a minute. I mean, I can ask you some foolish questions, but it would be a little embarrassing, and it's a radio show, so I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go with this. In other words, how good is the sex to begin with? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, you don't have to answer. Come on. But obviously, the, the physical is there, right? Um, we haven't had sex. Oh, oh okay. All right. Yes. Yes. So is that for religious reasons or there's a medical problem? Uh, no, it's because it's a long-distance relationship. We haven't met yet. Oh, this is starting to sound a little bit uh, like a midnight radio show now. <laughs> so you're, you're in a committed relationship of a year in length, and you met online and you never met each other, and you're asking a talk show host how to make a relationship work, but do you ever intend to see each other? Yes. Or do you just want to keep it online? No, no, we intend to meet each other. I would say the answer to your question is pretty simple. First, meet and see if there's anything there. What state do you live in? What state does he live in? I'm in Maine, and he's in Utah. Okay, can't you meet like in Chicago or something, in a restaurant? <laughs> I mean, somewhere, can't you meet in a restaurant somewhere uh, in New York? Yes, neutral ground. What do you think, uh, truthfully, is this a serious call? Yes. Yes, it is a serious call. Well, I don't see how you can ask the question. You're asking what's the most important thing to make a relationship work. You're a mature woman. And you said, is it based more upon uh, uh, companionship or chemistry, right? What, what do you have with this phantom right now? What do you have with this phantom right now? Mm, chemistry and compatibility, both. Well, how do you know chemistry? You never met him. Mm, no, I never have. You're right. So there's no chemistry because you haven't even been in the same environment with each other. When you say chemistry, we're talking about uh, humans next to each other, and humans are animals, and animals do things that the brain doesn't know they're doing, such as smelling the other person without smelling them. Funny you'd say that. I told him, I said, I so want to smell you. <laughs> oh, now, now we're getting into it. Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the whole situation. <laughs> well, okay. I think at this point we're going to have to depart. <laughs>
you're starting to sound a little bit creepy. Uh, I would suggest you don't ask him to smell him again. <laughs> I, the first thing I would say is please don't say to this distant um, relationship guy that you want to meet to smell him. I don't think he'll show up at the dinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I, uh, I don't look you got you got to meet and your nose will tell you what to do there you go all right thanks for the call god oh it's getting better <laughs> by the day it certainly beats talking about banning hamburgers and straws doesn't it that brings us to 855-400-SAVAGE 855-400-7282 we're talking about the madness of king lear what's it like being a conservative in liberal surroundings um, oh, there's so many other topics. Back in a minute. Savage. It is the Savage Nation. Uh, look, go to michaelsavage.com, and if you missed the first hour, please uh, treat yourself. Listen to the first hour on my podcast today, because I can't repeat the genius of Michael Savage by paraphrasing myself. In plain English. How can I paraphrase what I've done? I'd be like a jealous talk show host. It sounds like someone else. You know what I mean? People who put me down because they can't shine my shoes. Now, let's take some questions here. Seattle, Marcus, line two. What's on your mind? Hey, Dr. Savage. My name's Marcus. I'm from Seattle, and I'm just about to graduate college, and I'm going to be starting my own business in a week, and I know you have a family with a lot of business success. So I'm just wondering what would be your advice to me starting a new business as a guy? I love the question. First of all, you have to decide before you start a business, will it work? And the old adage still applies, which is if you build a better mousetrap, they will be the path to your door. Are you building a better mousetrap? I believe so. Both my brother and my dad have been doing this business for 10 years now, and it's worked tremendously for them, so I feel like it's a good business to go into. It's credit well, card so you, well, wait a minute. You're not starting a new business. You're entering a business, correct? Yep, it'll be, yeah. Yes, I, yes, you're right. All right, so you don't really have any problems other than to learn how to run that business better than your dad and your brother, right? Correct. That's so, I mean, what, I think the most important thing is attitude, Marcus. If you're going into an established business that's kicking off good profit, that's built up over a number of years through the family in this case, your only challenge will be to learn, learn, and learn before you take try to take the reins away from your brother or your father, right? Yes, sir. Okay, but what I'm hearing from you is you have a great deal of ambition and that you want to actually do more than just move, walk into a business, right? Yes, sir. All right, so what you want to do is think about what can you create with their help, by the way, maybe their capital, maybe their advice, what product or service can you offer that will be that better mousetrap, which will have millions of people beating a path to your door? I hope that is helpful. The Westwood One Podcast Network.